Have you ever wondered why so many sea turtles end up in care? Or what is the biggest cause in the sea turtle's death? What about the life cycle of sea turtles and what biologists believe happens to them during all those lost years? Well, the following episode is with the beautiful Jenny Gilbert, who is a co-founder of Cairns Turtle Rehab Centre here in North Queensland. And along with her team and all their volunteers, our sea turtles are rescued, cared for and released back into the wild. So get your cup of tea ready as the following episode is about to come your way. Have you ever wondered how a kangaroo can live in a tree? What about crocodiles and how they can stay underwater for hours at a time and not be seen? Maybe what keeps you up at night is your thoughts of how box jellyfish can be the most venomous animal in the whole world towards humans. Or is it your curiosity of what really goes on inside that caterpillar cocoon for a magnificent stunning butterfly to emerge? Well, don't worry, as I have all your questions answered and much, much more with our following Wild Chats, I am going to bring you the most amazing guests. Hey everyone, my name is Jodie Creek and I'm a wildlife educator and huge advocate for Australian animals. And of course, the habitats and ecosystems as well. But what I'm truly passionate about is bringing you information that you need to connect with the natural world. So someone once said to me that I may not be able to change the world, but I can change the world around me. So let's hope that we can inspire you to make change at home. And therefore, together, we do actually change the world. So get that cup of tea ready and enjoy the following Wild Chats. Hello. Hello, Jody. <laughs> Do you like my shirt? <laughs> oh, look, that's the best shirt I've ever seen, Jody. I mean, heavens above, what's that? A turtle on it. <laughs> <laughs> I had to wear my shirt to speak to you today because I am absolutely honoured when you said, absolutely, let's have a cup of tea. Actually, I've got a coffee. I've got a coffee. All right. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a coffee and have a chat about the amazing work you do. But first of all, I mean, everyone can't see what shirt I'm wearing, so I am wearing <laughs> the, um, the Cairns Turtle Rehabilitation shirt. Now, Jenny, you're the... F- are you the founder? Co-founder, Jody. So, so Paul Barnes is the other co-founder. That's so. Right. Paul and I started it over twenty years ago. <sighs> over twenty years ago, you and Paul started this amazing. Um, what do we call this? Uh, like you can call it like. Well, it's definitely not a charity, that's for sure. But it is education. It is a um, the awareness. conservation awareness. All of that. So, yeah. So yeah. we started it 20 years ago wow. um, in an aquarium and then as we are rehabilitating our first turtle, they closed the aquarium down and we were left with a turtle that was 1.2 metres and weighed over 120 kilos. <laughs> so there wasn't much you could do with her and we were donated our first piece of land in Cairns. And for the first six years, there was just Paul and I and another, you know, maybe one other volunteer every now and then. And then we got more turtles and more volunteers and then, of course, we had that mass stranding event. Um, as people listening wouldn't know, but in Australia, what happened was we had Cyclone Larry, and then we had Cyclone Yazi, and the inshore seagrass beds, which is what turtles eat, green turtles eat, were wiped out. So we had an eight hundred percent increase in strandings, and we literally had turtles everywhere. So we donated another piece of land over on Fitzroy Island, but going from one turtle to two people. We now have over 150 volunteers. We have three major centres and two satellite centres. 
We have overseas volunteers coming out to put up their hand to help the turtles and university placement. So it's fantastic. But these volunteers are so dedicated and they do it for the right reason. Mm. They do it to help the animals. Yes. And you and Paul have led the way. Like don't ever underestimate that. And, I mean, um, people want to come and, and help continue the journey that you guys have started and to continue that education and awareness. But um, you actually just said something just before satellite. So the areas north of Cairns and areas south of Cairns, we actually get some, it's a hot spot for strandings of turtles. Oh, okay. So Mission Beach area yep. and Port Douglas, they're hot spots. So what's happened is two um there's wild care down at Mission Beach. They've actually put in some tanks. And if a turtle comes in at Mission Beach, they can put it straight in there before they can get it to us. Right. And Port Douglas, the same. Rainforest Habitat have put in a couple of tanks and if anything comes in. So we need those satellite centres. But what a wonderful thing that people are stepping forward and saying, we want to help you. We know what's happening. Let us do this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So tell us, tell us a little bit about because turtles get a lot of media or a lot, a lot of coverage. But, but it's well, like, of course they do. <laughs> I, I mean, how can they not? They're absolutely. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so beautiful. Tell us a little bit about specifically here in Australia. Tell us a little bit about the turtles we have. How many of the world turtles we have, and what are the biggest threats that we find? And let's just base this in North Queensland for now. Okay. What are the biggest threats that are happening apart from what Cyclone Larry and Yassi right. did to us? <laughs> okay, so we've got six of the seven species in Australia. We've got hawksbills. We've got greens. We've got olive ridleys, we've got loggerheads, and we've got leatherbacks. And we actually have one that's got a little stamp underneath it that says Made in Australia. And it's, actually, it's a flatback. So it's endemic to Australia and the southern waters of Papua New Guinea, but it only nests in Australia. So it comes with its own little tag and it's a little flying kangaroo on it. Um, so they're the species that we have. The most common species we see on the Great Barrier Reef are greens and hawksbills. Every now and then we'll see a flat back and we get olive ridley turtles brought down from up the top of Australia. Okay. So the threats that we see here, our major threats, a major thing that we see is floater syndrome and that's a term for air under their shell mm -hmm. and that can be caused by an impaction from marine debris, from plastics, from fishing line, from polystyrofoam balls. My biggest hatred in life, helium balloons. Mm. Um, and also what people don't think about too is it's not only the plastic in the ocean as pieces, it actually breaks down and the chemicals from the breakdown accumulate in their food source and that can cause them to actually get a disruption and get sick as well and cause them to get uh, floater syndrome. They can also get an overload of parasites and that's from a compromised immune system and that's also from runoff into the water, chemicals in the water or toxins in the water. And they can also get boat strike. And the problem, of course, when they're floating is that they can get hit by a boat quite easily or they can get predated on by a larger animal. Yeah. So that's probably the main things that we see. But coming down from up the top of Australia, it's disastrous. We actually see entanglement in discarded fishing nets and it's so horrendous that we normally have to amputate flippers because they're so badly damaged. Wow. So that's where we see coming in there. Around far north Queensland, of course, we see entanglement from people just throwing fishing line in the water and the turtles see the bit of food on the end of it and they eat it. Also, they get entangled in the fishing line. 
Uh, we also see loss of nesting beaches because of development along beach mm. lines and they've lost their nesting beaches. Light pollution for the hatchlings because there's so many lights. Um, also rock, wa- rock walls, jetties, oh. all of these things that all affect, you know, the turtles. And, yeah. um, you know, so there's, there's many, many things. We also have a problem with illegal hunting. So mm-hmm. green sea turtles are hunted. Of course, hawksbills are hunted for their beautiful shell, for tortoiseshell jewellery and tortoiseshell furniture. So these animals actually every day in their environment are under threats. And mm-hmm. because they breathe air the same as we do, they're also open to predation by to be hit by a boat. Yeah. Wow. The human race. All of a sudden I just feel like I need to go curl up in a ball. Like- I know. Well, that's what's happening. I mean, oh. you know, these turtles have been around for 100, over 150 million years. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, what we're slowly doing is humans are slowly killing them through our threats, through our carelessness and through what we do in our everyday activities affects them. Mm. And one thing you said before, which which really um, is something that I'm very passionate about within our, our home, is the chemical side of things. So uh, nature can give us a clue at all sorts of things that is going on. And here turtles are becoming sicker and sicker due to the chemicals of the food they eat. So, so the, the, you said the chemical buildup in, their, in the turtle food mm. and then they're eating it. So that's obviously happening to us as well. Well, that's exactly right. And also the other thing is what we put down the sink yes. goes out into the ocean and we put a lot of chemicals down the sink and that goes out to the ocean. But a really frightening thing, Jody. the other day we actually feed our green sea turtle squid and we take out the backbone um, that. Oh my gosh! And in three squid, we found three pieces of plastic. Oh One was a hard piece of plastic; was about two point one centimeters. The others were like plastic film. Now, how scary is that? This is human grade um, squid, so it's all look. It's like that thing that that picture that was up on Facebook when he went into the fish and chip shop and he said, "Oh, can I have that in plastic, please?" And she said, "Oh, don't worry; it's already inside the fish." Mm. It's exactly right. I mean, three pieces of plastic inside squid, and this is human squid. Wow. So, you know, we're eating, everything is eating this in the ocean, mm-hmm. and we're accumulating it, not to mention the toxins, of course, yeah, um, that we're eating with, you know, food, with fish accumulated and in their muscles. I mean, I actually did a paper a long time ago on sedimentary bivalves and their accumulation of toxins, like, you know, mussels and oysters and things like that. Well, of course, they're sedimentary bivalves, so they actually sit there and they just filter feed. They're filter feeding through chemicals, rubbish, everything like that. It's a very scary thing to think, you know, what does the future hold? We're obviously accumulating chemicals in us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing that I try and talk to anyone I can about is, I mean, I'm a family of five. We have been low-tox. I mean, it's very difficult to get completely chemical free when you think of the couch you may be sitting on or or so forth but in regards to cleaning and putting on our body and using in the shower we actually are chemical free like there's nothing that goes in there it's been like that for seven years and I will have to say I've got three kids no one has been sick I think we had a stomach bug once in the seven years and that was due to something that happened when my son went to a party. And, and otherwise, this, this um, 
oh, our belief in thinking that we can't have anything clean in our house unless we use Domestos or we can't have mm. our body clean unless we use this particular shampoo and soap. Mm. But it's absolutely not true. And we have been the healthiest we've ever been. It's seven years later. I know. It's, it, it, look, it definitely has an effect. I mean, what's the matter with using vinegar? Exactly. That's how I you, clean everything. You know, what's to use it? Well, I've got to say, touch wood, I have never had a cold or a flu in my life. Yeah. And my parents were really adamant on not using heavy-duty chemicals and things mm-hmm. like that. We used a lot of as natural stuff as we could. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, we still do. I mean, yes, obviously there is a few things that, you know, we could get rid of, mm-hmm. but I read labels. I have that app on my phone now and I read all the labels and if it contains anything, I don't buy it. And, I mean, mm-hmm. also all of the companies that, you know, are using these, you know, animals for testing and using chemicals like that, you know, we've got to stop doing this. We've got to stop doing this in our life because if it affects them, it's going to affect us. Us. And (laughs) that's exactly it. And nature really is telling us lots and lots of things. I mean, look what we've just been through in the last six months and, and, and nature is talking to us. And I sit out the, out every single morning and living here in North Queen. I mean, how lucky are we, Jenny? We live in North oh, We are very lucky. We, I, we're blessed. <laughs> the wet tropics rain for us. We've got the Great Barrier. The no COVID. <laughs> That's it. And I get to sit here every morning and have a cup of tea and look out at the mountains. And it's interesting how I, I sort of get so deep in thought and I connect with nature and I go, oh, you're feeling a little angry today. You know, or oh, you're really happy today, isn't it? Like I've, I, I know that makes probably makes me sound a little bit like woo woo, but nature. <laughs> all of us up here in North Queensland. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> we're all a bit up like that in North Queensland, aren't we? <laughs> but it's that connection with nature, and the turtles are telling us something. They're so they, and, and everything else. They are well. You know, it's not only the turtles. Mm-hmm. I mean, things like you know, you think of what's going through. I mean, the dolphins have come back to Venice. Yeah. They haven't been seen for so many years. They've got fish. They've got swans in the Trevi Fountain. Well, you know, birds in the Trevi Fountain. But I think on the Great Barrier Reef, what we're seeing is one of our volunteers went out oh, about a, two months ago to fix one of our outlet pipes and um, and a puffer fish came along and gave him a bite because he hadn't been used to people. <laughs> He's going, hang on a minute, I've had all this time without anybody near me and what is this person doing in here? So... Yeah, and I mean, it's really interesting going out there and watching the fish. The fish are getting really cranky because, because, they've, had, because they've had the time to themselves. <laughs> and now yeah. they're going, hang on, I don't think I like this a real lot. Mm. But it's really interesting to see their their attitude or, you know, their what they're doing out there, mm. and they definitely are becoming more protective. So yeah. they're telling us something too. Yeah, The absolutely. corals are doing fantastic, you know, everything, because we just haven't had all of this human interaction in there. Well, it's been about six months, hasn't it, really? Six it months has. of good quality, mm. no humans. <laughs> <laughs> no, not as many boats and so forth. So there's That's exactly right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's interesting. And then, you know, we, as I said, we've got this increase in, you know, the turtles um, over the years coming in. And it's because what we've got is we've got our oceans are becoming more polluted and more mm-hmm. affected. So it goes down the food train. It's mm-hmm. not only turtles. You know, we're getting whales, sharks, fish, everything. So mm-hmm. everything's getting affected. And the sad part about that is what is the end result? Well, that's it. And, and I think that leads into the next question is what do we do, Jenny? 
what can we do? What can anyone do? What are you, what are you guys doing? I mean, you're, you're looking after so many animals right now, so many turtles, and how do we get more education out there? But I feel like, oh, are we missing something in this education? Are we, are we like, how do we reach more people to, to really tug at their heartstrings to go, hey, stop? Seriously. I think one of the big things, Jody, is that I come across, and it's interesting because I do a lot of talks, and I think one of the big things is people will look at me and they go, oh, no, I can't do anything. I'm only one person. Mm. And said, but, you know, if you think about it, everybody, a lot of one persons makes people. Absolutely. And people who is going to drive uh, are going to drive a difference. Absolutely. So never think that you're just one person because yeah. you are an important person and if everybody joins together and everybody does their bit, yeah. we may be able to pull this through. We may be able to go forward and things. But at this stage, you know, we are not looking great and there's no doubt about it. Mm. So I think everybody can step forward and everybody can look. As you said, your house is completely chemical-free. Everybody can read labels and go, no. I think the big thing is say no to balloons, no to plastic, single-use plastic, my biggest bugbear in life, <laughs> and, um, and helium balloons. You know, we have to actually look at things and look, has this got, is this going to have an effect on our environment? Yes, it is. No, I'm not going to use it. Mm-hmm. And I think we just need to get, you know, I think some of these photos that come through that are pretty horrendous are really good for people to see. I know people go, oh, 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 but it's good for them to actually see this is the real world. This is what's happening out there. Yeah, and this is what we are doing to the world. That's so exactly right. I loved what you said there, and, and it's actually in my, my start of my podcast, is I was actually sitting there one day in uh, Blackbird Coffee, you know, beautiful coffee shop up here, and I was sitting there having a coffee, and the fellow across from me, he said to me, you're looking troubled. And I said, you know what? I really am today. I'm feeling so much pain because that's what I'm feeling from nature. And I said, I just want to save the world, but I don't know how. And he said, you know what? He said, you may want to save the world, but why don't you save the world around you? And then if every single person saves their world around them, then you're bloody well saving the world. That's right. You know? And that's exactly right. Yeah. It's all about one person at a time. Yes, and, and it's also about taking baby steps. I mean, I didn't wake up one day seven years ago and just went, right, that's it, and put shock on my family. Mm. I mean, I had little kids, mm. but what we did do is little things at a time so it wasn't so overwhelming. And we noticed some differences happening in regards to, hey, guys, have you put the bin out for Wednesday? And they're like, but it's, it's, not, it's not even half full. So what we found is that our... Um, rubbish had decreased more than half. Mm. One, we were we were being more careful about what we were buying, going more into the whole food kind of because because it, it's not just about being chemical free because we want to save the turtles. You need to save yourself. You need that's to- right and other animals. Yeah, exactly. Because the frogs in the backyard, they don't want you to be doing that to the weeds out there. Pay your kids $5 pocket money, put some music on and go and pull the weeds out. You're saving the frogs and the insects, you know. So it's, it is a bigger picture here and you can, you can do tiny little things to be able to make a difference. And I think sometimes I know you would even feel this, Jenny, is that because of the work we do, we get a little bit overwhelmed ourselves as to go, oh, my God, is this even making a difference? Are we even, what, what, what is happening here? I feel like I'm not even doing anything. But yet we are. And I think once we drop that attachment 
of needing to know that we 100% are making a change right now because you don't know, Jenny, who is listening to this. And we might, we might make a change to five people. Those five people go on and have a dinner date with someone and have a chat to other people. And it's the flow and effect about a, a podcast talk or a video or a Facebook post. And we're making a change. But, but it may not be something that you and me can tangibly see right now, but it's happening. And I know for me, I had to drop the attachment of knowing that I am making a change. I just have faith that, that it's happening. So, yes, I, I had to drop that attachment a long time ago. <laughs> but, um, you know, and I know that I know we're making a change. We're yeah. making a difference. I know, you know, I know that. But then, you know, I wonder, I'm making a difference with the oceans though. Mm. You know, can I do so many talks? Can I do so much stuff and things like that? I think it is happening because I think people are now walking up and down beaches and actually collecting rubbish. So I think the marine debris project's going well with everything. You know, people will see rubbish on the, well, majoritively people will see rubbish on the beach and they'll pick it up. Minoritively they'll just walk past yeah. and things like that. But how many times do we see, you know, bags on the ground and mm. and bits and pieces? So, you know, I think it's just, as you said, it's baby steps, baby steps. Mm. It's just a small bite of a cherry at a time. <laughs> and just, uh, you know, just getting everybody, you know, on board. But it is yeah. that one person makes a difference because that one yeah. person can spread it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, off, off, um, off air just before when, when we jumped on, you were telling me about Molly. Tell me a little bit about Molly. I would love to get Molly on our podcast, so hopefully we can actually track her down. But tell me what she's just helped you guys do to try and reach more kids, more students, to be the leader within the, you know, the small people. <laughs> the small people. Well, Molly, I think... What was Molly, Jodie, about eight when she started? I think so. so. Molly actually, Molly um, actually saw a straw in a turtle's nose and she was horrified and she decided, right, that's it, I'm going forward, I'm going to ban plastic straws in, around cans. And so she went on and a lot of people went, oh, yes, you know, you're only this, this. At 10 years old or nine years old, she marched into the council and she saw the mayor. She demanded a meeting at the council and she put forward her no straws policy mm. and the council now don't use straws yes. and bit by bit molly has gone around molly and i did a war on waste series mm. and molly now talks um at schools she talks internationally she was actually flown over to canada by um aquaman and, oh. uh, <laughs> i know <laughs> and um she talked in schools over she was asked to speak in schools over in canada regarding her no plastic no straws mm. this little girl has taken on everybody yeah. and she has made a huge difference enormous difference mm. and it's just you know she said i will not back down i will get my way and i will get them banned yeah wonderful so Never you know it just shows you and she talks she's most incredible speaker and mm. she's you know she's mate she did the tedx talk everything and she's only, Molly would only be 12 now. Yeah, never underestimate the little people. Never oh. underestimate the little people, especially especially not Molly. She's yes, a- and we've got, we've got Owen from Owen's Wildlife Adventures. Everyone can look him up and he's five and a half. He actually has raised already this year $5,500 for wildlife, but he goes after school every, I think it's three days, and he, he has, um, so companies or businesses or people who can't get to the beach, 
um, they donate money or they donate a bag, right? So he grabs a big calico bag and he goes along the beaches and he picks up rubbish for that particular person who has donated. And um, what he's trying to do, he's five and a half. I know, I saw that. Isn't it absolutely and utterly amazing? <laughs> Gorgeous. He's absolutely gorgeous. Now, Jenny, I actually have another couple of questions here, if you don't mind. No, that's okay. I, I would love to know more about the seagrass. So you're saying that one of also one of the biggest threats, it's not only um, let's, let's just steer away from the plastics and all that, but what's happening to other parts of the ecosystem, um, let's, like with the seagrass. And Yassi and Larry did make a big issue with that. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about that? How do how much do turtles actually eat of that seagrass? And um, can you educate us a little bit on? Well, seagrass is actually dugongs and turtles eat it. A dugong will go through and it just completely mow down a whole seagrass bed. And turtles are out there just munching. You know, they munch away all day. Seagrass beds are incredibly important because, but turtles and dugongs are too. They keep the seagrass beds under control mm. from not going out of control. But seagrass also is is particular. It's got to have the right salinity. It's got to have the right sunlight. So, you know, to grow it is very, very difficult. But it's a very, very important part. It's a nursery for, um, you know, young animals like fish and things like that and, you know, uh, little crabs. So it plays an incredibly important part in the ecosystem but as a food source. But the problem is that we're getting these nets dragged along the bottom of the ocean What's happening is that's actually dragging up the sea, killing the seagrass. We're mm. getting toxins in the water. It's either killing the seagrass or accumulating in the seagrass, which is then a follow-on effect to the animals. Mm. It's, um, but seagrass is one of those really, it's like grass, you know, if we didn't have grass in, out in, um, you know, our yards, you know, what would a lot of animals live in or what would they eat and mm. things like that. So it's a very, very important part of the ecosystem. But unfortunately, we're losing lots of areas of seagrass. After the cyclones, we're getting a lot of it has come back, but we still do have areas that actually, you know, haven't come back. They haven't regenerated. Yeah. And, and is the seagrass found mainly in the shallower parts of the ecosystems here? It is shallower. It can be, you know, it's not ever really, really deep, but it can go, you know, two depths, but it's in the shallower area, mainly in the shallower areas. Mm with it but also the other thing with turtles and dugongs is that they disperse the seeds as well so they're eating that and they're actually as they're going through the oceans they're dispersing the seeds so they're a dispersal of it so everything works together in unison absolutely absolutely never never think that just because you live two three hours away from the ocean that what you're putting into the drains or what spills into the creeks and streams doesn't actually get to the point of going into our rivers mangrove area and then out into the seagrass beds and then into the great barrier reef it's it's that flow of water so everything we do do does actually affect that and have a flow on effect so with the grasses as well when you were talking about little creatures i actually just imagined you know, uh, finding Nemo. And, you know, with the mangroves, a lot of our reef animals, it's like the nursery ground. The nursery that. grounds, yes. And then they go to the seagrass area yeah. as like a, like, you yeah. know, they're swimming along and then they hide, they, hide they, me, hide me, hide me in the <laughs> seagrass. <laughs> they hide in the seagrass to be able to get then to the next step out to the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> and that's what we don't realise. I mean, this is the thing. If, if we lose seagrass beds, it's not only turtles and dugongs, yes. it's a lot of other animals as well. So, yeah. you know, they're a imp- very, very important part. But as you were saying before, 
you know, don't think what you throw if you live up, you know, five kilometres away. The thing is that how the reef starts is it actually starts up in the mountains too. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can get flow and effect from up there. It goes from the mountains right down. You know, I mean, obviously a big effect to the reef is land clearing because that causes a problem as well. Yeah. So we can have, you know, there can be land clearing, all of that going into the ocean. There's so many things that mm. can affect everything. Yeah, definitely. And that's that's something that we could literally talk for weeks on end. <laughs> but I have heard something, Jenny, and it's been floating around. <laughs> Is So our green, green sea turtles, did they get their name because they're fat or they're something? Yes. So they're fat. They're, of course they eat seagrass and yep. they eat algae. They're actual fat and their muscle is actually green and that's how they got the name green sea turtles, not because of their shell colour. Yeah. It's, um, if you actually, if we have ones that we have to do a necropsy on, you open them up and their fat's actually green. Wow. Mm, it's amazing. Love to see a photo of that. So yeah. I, I, I can see and, um, and I hear that you guys are doing a lot of work at your uh, rehabilitation centre on Fitzroy Island. So there's lots of work going on over there. Is that where it's happening? No, we've got well, we've got James Cook University as well. So um, that's you know if we've got really sick ones there in at James Cook University because mm-hmm. it's very close to the veterinary clinic that we use for treatment. Then yep. also the aquarium. If we've got turtles that we're treating, mm-hmm. you know, regularly, they go into Cairns Aquarium because it's still on mainland, and then we can actually still treat them. Yep. And then when they're diving and eating and sitting on the bottom then they can actually go to Fitzroy Island, which is their island resort for their last stage of rehabilitation. Uh, right. So so Fitzroy Island is the last stage. Now, I hear that there may be a release tomorrow. There is a release tomorrow. There's a release of an adult green sea turtle tomorrow. Awesome. She's been in with us for about 18 months. She was actually found stuck in the mud in a very, very bad state. She was covered in barnacles. She's fully recovered and she's going back tomorrow. But we're going to have a great community event. So it's going to be 10 o'clock. They're going to do a marine debris walk up and down the beach and collect what they can. We've also got some colanders there so they can sift through. A very quick announcement to make, but I'm so excited. Our home education virtual portal is up and running and you can visit that at www.australianwildlifeeducation.com. And if you are a parent or you know other parents who have children ages 4 to 12, this one is specifically for them and they get to learn more about Australian wildlife. Microplastic, of course, is another thing people don't think about. Mm. Microplastics affect all marine animals as well. Mm. So microplastics, then we'll have a talk, release the turtle, and then we're going to have uh, sandcastle building afterwards with prizes and then a sausage sizzle. So it's going to be a great community day, but also to talk to people about, you know, these turtles and what's going on and the plight of them. Yeah. And where are you releasing? Where is that? It's at Four Mile Beach. So that's um, just before Port Douglas. We're not going as far as Port Douglas, going to Four Mile Beach. Mm-hmm. She was actually found there. And because she is an adult female and breeding season's coming up, we will release her back there. Oh, amazing. And, and, and speaking of uh, breeding season, so what, what here in North Queensland, is it the same everywhere their breeding season with the no. month? So but- our breeding season is about probably, you know, October, November, December, January. Okay. Um, and then the nesting, of course, hatchling season's after that as well but overseas I mean Cape York is funny it's like 12 months of the year and then 
And then I think over in America you get more uh, May, June, July. Mm. So it's the summer months that they actually, you know, they're breeding in. And if you think about it, they're a reptile, so they Mm. slow down a lot in winter anyway. So it's the summer, summer months that they actually then get active in breeding. Yeah, and it's it's only the female that ever comes back onto land. Yes, so that's they're a very interesting animal actually because, you know, what happens is it's only the female. The male will never return to land, so the female comes back. But she comes back to the beach that she's actually born on. They How don't start happen? breeding to about 20 to they're 50 years old. Wow. And what happens is that when it's breeding time, they might be thousands of kilometres away. They might be over in Fiji, they might be in Vanuatu, and then when it's breeding time, they'll come back to the area they're born on and that's where they'll mate. And then two weeks later, they'll come back on, they'll come up to the beach and they'll lay their eggs. And I mean, you think of how fantastic that, that is. The back flippers can dig whole chambers, you know, 18 inches, two feet deep. Mm. And then they lay their eggs between 50 and 150 eggs. And then 60, 70 days later, they're actually techno turtles now, so they all tweeted each other. <laughs> so obviously, put <laughs> into the new age now. These guys, Absolutely. and they all each other. <laughs> and it takes them three to five days to come to the surface. And wow, they think really? The for that, well, yeah. And they think the reason for that is that they're imprinting. So they, if they're they're imprinting on the sand, they're imprinting on the salinity, and then they all run down the beach, and that's of course celestial navigation. But also the other thing is that we're having a problem at the moment is because of increased sand temperatures 29 degrees is a pivotal temperature for males or females because when they lay their eggs they're not sex chromosome dependent they're sand temperature dependent yes so we're getting temperatures of 31 32 and we're getting feminism wow so more females less males females and less males yeah and then they go down they race down the ocean they get in the ocean of course everyone gets them on the way through birds and crabs and Mm -hmm. the fish and everything and if they get through they swim 50 kilometers out to sea and that's where they stay for the first five to ten years of their life and they just drift along on the current line they're omnivores at that stage Mm -hmm. um and then they come back in at five to ten years of age and they become specialized feeders so they've got an amazing amazing life cycle and of course we don't know absolutely everything about them because they're so elusive because we've got those lost years we've got the amount of travel they do we're learning a lot more through satellite tracking and Mm. through flipper tagging them so we've got a lot more information especially a lot on the nesting turtles Mm. so do do you call the lost years the first five to ten years yes that's a lot so that's when they're drifting out there on the current line and they're just drifting along yeah, I'm imagining Finding Nemo again. Yes. Yep. <laughs> well, yes. Well, we had that. We had a Finding Nemo turtle. We actually had one that um, Taronga Zoo rang up and said they had an Olive Ridley turtle. Now, our Olive Ridleys occur up at Cape York, okay. which is a long way up the top of Australia. And yeah. so they rang up and they said, somebody's just handed in a, an Olive Ridley turtle that was found off Sydney Heads. Oh, wow. So, I know. And it was, not very big. it was only about 42 centimetres, so it wasn't a big one. Oh. And um, anyway, we ended up, we Qantas flew it back up to us and it was really interesting because it was obviously so sick that this poor little turtle got caught on the eastern current mm. and literally did a Nemo, yes. and literally drifted down to Australia, down to Sydney. Wow. So, wow. yeah. That's amazing. And and you, you, you said that um, turtles are reptiles. So uh, being ectothermic or, uh, you know, a quick word is cold-blooded. Basically, they rely on the, on the outside yes. temperature. They need the sun. <laughs> yeah. So they need the sun. So how, 
I've got a couple of quick questions. How do sea turtles warm themselves up? Because you're saying that they, you know, they slow down a bit during winter, so they just float along. But during summer, they're going to eat more, they're going to store more fat, they're going to breed or whatever. How do they get warm from the sun? Well, sometimes you'll actually see them on the surface and they'll be basking. They actually bask. In Hawaii, it's interesting. They all come up the beach to, to sunbake. And um, there's a place called Turtle Beach over in Hawaii, and these turtles literally come up on land and they'll actually heat up, they'll oh. stay at the sun, heat up, and then they'll go back in. Wow. So it's really, it's quite interesting. And sometimes you'll see them on the surface and a lot of people think, oh, you know, they're floating, they're floating, but they're not. You'll see them dive down. But what they're doing is in the winter months, they're up there just getting the sun, getting Worn the out. heat. Yeah. A place up at Port Douglas is just before, uh, I think it's the start of Four Mile Beach. A lot of the turtles actually come up onto the mudflats there in the tide, when the tide's in and they'll sunbake and then they'll go back out with the tide. Yeah, right. Oh, that's really interesting. And also being a reptile, so they get oxygen from the air, so they need to come up and down, up and down. How long can turtles stay underwater for? Such a cool fact. (laughs) So turtles have this amazing system. So what they do is they come to the surface and they exhale and they flatten their lungs out. They take a big breath of air in. And they'll go down to the bottom and they'll shunt that oxygen out into their major organs, their muscles and their brain. And they'll slow their heart rate down to about one beat every up to five to seven minutes. Wow. Um, and so they're not using much oxygen. And they can stay down there for, you know, norm, between five and seven hours. Greens, greens are about three or four, but five to seven hours. But also the other really cool thing is that because they're shunting that oxygen out and they're flattening their lungs, they can dive very deep depths. And we just did a fact the other day on um, on a leatherback that went 1,200 metres. And some, yeah, and I mean, that's absolutely wow. unbelievable. He was clocked at doing, clocked at doing that. And our guys, do, they probably do about, no, 1,200 feet, sorry. Um, but our guys probably, our green sea turtles can do about, you know, they go to about two, 250 feet. Okay. So, you know, I mean, that's amazing that they can do such deep dives. But I think the most amazing thing about turtles is they have a three-chambered heart. Mm. So what happens is, is if they lose a flipper to a crocodile or a shark, which is mm. their natural predators, then they can redirect that blood flow, they can stop it, and they don't die of blood loss. But the really amazing fact about that is it has to be trauma for that to happen. Oh. If they have to be amputate a flipper in surgery because it's so badly damaged, they can bleed out. Wow. So, okay. it, so it's actually triggered by trauma. So these turtles are the ultimate adaptation to the environment. Oh, that it's is the ultimate. That is amazing. I will say crocodiles too. But, yeah, crocodiles um, <laughs> too. Yeah. And crocodiles are too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it. So with adaptation, and that's one of my main interests is adaptations, but that is a physiological adaptation mm-hmm. where it's something that we can't necessarily see that's going on in the body. And that is something that blows my mind. So, again, in surgery, if that happens and you need to amputate, they can bleed out. But if that happens in the wild, naturally and automatically, due to the physiological adaptation of their body, they just automatically reshuffle things, change things for them to not bleed out but still be able to it's amazing, like, it? amputate their own foot. It's absolutely. It's just amazing. 
That's mind blowing. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing because we because oh. we get, we've had we got a turtle in. I mean, you would have remembered Diane that got done by the shark out at yes. Moor Reef, mm. and this shark came in and took like twenty five percent of a shell, her back flipper, everything punctured through her um, abdominal cavity, and of course she did really well and she was released, but she didn't die of blood loss. She was down there. Yet, if we have if we yes. notice when we do surgery, if we have to actually take a flipper off because it's so badly damaged, or the vet takes it off because it's so badly damaged from, you know, um, something caught around it. Yep. It's a matter of tying all those vessels off. He has to tie all those vessels off and cauterize them because it literally will bleed out. Mm. Wow! Wow! Mm. So wow. yeah, so it's it's amazing. It's obviously triggered by trauma. And it's a, a natural adaptation. So, mm. you know, really cool facts about them. And crocs are the crocs do the same. I know so. crocs are something I could talk about for years oh, and years. They, like they they fascinate me. And hoping to get Billy on and David White as well, just oh, to talk yes. about crocs. Oh, well, they're very good at talking about crocs. <laughs> <laughs> they certainly are. Uh, honestly, like it's it's been an absolute pleasure to talk with you, Jenny. Let's let's send everyone to the right place to be able to follow you, see the amazing work that you and your volunteers do. Um, where shall we send everyone to help um, with donations um, and so forth? So we've got a website, which is www.cansturtlerehabcenter.org or Facebook page, Cairns Turtle Rehabilitation Centre. Yes, excellent. So, and uh, you can see the release. Now, what was her name? Kara. Kara. You can see Kara's beautiful release into the big wide world again. And you guys have had her for 18 months. So I yep. am sure that she's going to be excited to head back out and continue the cycle. Now, one last question before I go. I wanted to know out of that, let's just say 100 eggs that um, Kara may lay, how many of them actually reach adulthood of 20? A thousand that she's going to lay in a season. A so thousand can, in a season. Well she, well, she might lay up to, she may lay between three and five nests at a time uh, in a season so you could lay between 300 to 500 eggs but out of one out of 1000 eggs one turtle survives to adulthood so you've got 1000 eggs and out of that you've only got a survival rate of one yeah right to adulthood that is full on. Is this why turtles, so I love to look at how animals breed and, and how many babies they have. So is this why the turtle, to, to have the, the better odds of getting one to adulthood, they need to do three or four kind of lays? Yes. and that's why they lay so many eggs at a time. Wow, okay. So that they can, so, you know, with the hope that at least one may go through to adulthood. Yes. But with the amount of threats that we've got at the moment, we're losing probably... A lot more than we think. A lot more than that. Nature can certainly give us a clue at, at, at why and what they do and you know, straight away by knowing how many eggs an animal has or how many babies they have, the likelihood of them um, getting to adulthood is quite low. Yes. So they need to have more of, of that. But it has been an absolute pleasure, Jenny. I'm going to get you back on again at some stage because, again, there is so many things that we could actually talk about. I would love to do a video with you as well, maybe at one of your rehabilitation centres. That's a good um, idea, Jodie. Yeah, absolutely. Up at the aquarium. Yes, or the aquarium. Oh, I can't wait to see all the... the no, it's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yep. But I'm going to put in the podcast notes exactly where people can find you, your website. Right. Um, please help with donations. Right. You do get now and then some grants, but otherwise... No, very, very rarely, otherwise, but we rely on... 
We're a volunteer organisation and we rely literally on donations. Yes. Um, get a shirt like what I'm wearing. Um, <laughs> there's, there's hats. Oh, oh, and by the way, Ella's book. Uh, so Christian Miller, I'm going to track him down. Yes, I have track, it, track, track Christian down because oh Ella, God. of course, you would have met Ella. Yes, I did meet Ella. You, did, so you, did, you would have met Ella and, of course, Ella was our all-time favourite girl. Yeah. Uh, she came in. She was an interesting story. She was hit mm-hmm. by a boat. She came in in four sections. The propeller literally went straight through her shell Oof. and she came in lit right down to her backbone in four oh. sections and her head and um, the government actually brought her into the vet clinic and said, oh, we're here to put her to sleep. And I went, nah, hey, they rebuilt a $6 million man and <laughs> so I'm sure I've seen it on TV. We can do this. <laughs> and yeah. so she was under very, very intense treatment um, I think her and I actually slept hand the flipper a couple of times. Oh. And, um, yeah, she went back. She definitely needed Weight Watchers when she went back. But she went back a perfectly healthy animal. It took wow. three over three years for her shell wow. to recover. Because her shells are made of keratin, the same as our fingernails, and it grows from the bottom up, yes. we had to wait for that shell to grow up. Mm. She went back a perfectly healthy animal back into the wild. So it just shows you that, you know, if you actually, it's mm. perseverance, and dedication, and she's back out. You've got but everyone loved Ella. So mm-hmm. much love there. And uh, with with the shell, if it's growing from the bottom up, did you fiberglass the top? No, you can't fiberglass turtle okay. shells because if you think about it, they grow, they fall off in their little yes, in plates hmm. and things like that. If you fiberglass it, they'll all glue together and they'll get a manky shell. Mm. But also, you can trap infection underneath yes. that fiberglass. And yep. that's a big thing, trapping infection. You have to have a clean, open wound and treat mm. it daily. Because mm. I've had many questions about that. What do you do if a turtle shell breaks? And I'm like, I have no idea. But um, Ella's story, so Christian Miller, um, uh, it's, he's, he's helped get that, or he, did he write that? Yes, he did write that. I've already pre-ordered mine, by the way. I've got, I've got a few copies there and I can't wait because um, everything he's posting up on social media, I'm like, oh, come on, I want my book. I can't wait to read it and see it. But that's something that you can also... I had to get all spell check and everything and things like that. But, um, but also, Jodie, have a look at that one. Oh, awesome. So the, um, the, water, bo- <laughs> the water bottles, oh, it's so cute, Jenny. So they're the new, they're the new water bottles. And, of course, Christian... Plastic free. Of course. Yeah. Perfect. So if you visit the website, everyone, or you can get you can get directed there from the Facebook page. You can buy a shirt. You can pre-order at the moment as of the 4th of September. You can pre-order beautiful Ella's um book. Or what what's what's the name of that particular book? It's called Ella's Story, isn't it? Ella's Ella's Adventures in the Great Barrier Reef. Ella's Adventures in the Great Barrier yeah. Reef. Yeah. Or you can yeah. donate um, to help Jenny and the team to continue the amazing and wonderful work that you guys do. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Jenny, for talking. That's all right. But talking, I was just gonna say another thing is talking about children stepping forward. There's yes. also a little boy, Oscar, and his grandfather owns Critican Wines. And Oscar saw what was happening, and Oscar actually was so inspired by Molly that he actually did this turtle out of foil and his father actually has got unlimited edition bottles of wine and, um, and then that comes through to us as a donation. But here's oh. a little boy of five that's actually wow. looked at it and gone, I'm so inspired. So, you know, kids around the world, you can, you can, you're our future. You're yes. the future of the environment. Mm. It's, our, it's your generation that are mm. going to be the future. 
Absolutely. absolutely. And and I might say the decider. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. I am going to track you down again very soon, maybe do a video and everyone can find that on our YouTube channel when we finally do do it. But otherwise, please jump on Jenny's pages um, and the rest of her team and help to continue the beautiful education and the rehabilitation of our amazing sea turtles. So thank you, Jenny, and I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Jenny Gilbert from the Cairns Turtle Rehab Centre. Now, if you want to get in contact with Jenny, you can find her on www.cairnsturtlerehab.org.au. Now, that's where you can find how to connect with her, but also maybe inquire about how you can volunteer, donate, or check out their online store. But what I do want to point out is on the homepage of their website, you're going to see down the bottom Christian Miller's new book. Now, Christian also works within Jenny's team and helps bring to light some of the massive big problems in regards to our wildlife and the natural world. But this beautiful book is a children's book and it's called Ella's Adventures in the Great Barrier Reef. And it's designed to teach more about the importance of our oceans and how to keep them healthy. Now, I've got a few on order. You can also also go to that site and put put your order in. I believe it is nearly ready to be released just in time for Christmas. So I'm really excited about that. But also in regards to that, it does help them fund a few other projects. Now, what I wanted to just quickly say, and I this may trigger a couple of people, in regards to donating, In regards to even buying things online, it is needed. It 100% is. So please don't stop doing that. But what is the most important is what are you doing at home to actually create the change that is needed? Because buying things online, donating money is the easy way out. If you are therefore not making a change at home or in what you are doing every single day, what is the most important is for us to create small little steps to use less plastic, to think about things that we can reuse, for example. Think about what we are spraying or what we are using in chemical wise around our homes that may be possibly going down drainage and out into the ocean. So understanding and educating a little bit more about that. Now, like I said, donations and buying online stuff to help with conservation projects like Christian Miller's book with Ella's Adventures or even going to the Turtle Rehab Center. There's some cool things on there that you can buy in regards to their store. The money does go towards their projects. Yes, but that doesn't stop the problem. And the problem is us. So what are you going to do this week? Maybe create a calendar, maybe do it as a family thing. Think about one change you can even do per month if it's overwhelming. But please remember, every single thing comes down to what we are doing. And if you are just donating, if you are just buying things towards projects, but not creating change at home, then you are actually not contributing to conservation or to the health of our natural world. So please just try one thing this week. And therefore, together, we're actually creating a change and our children and children, children will be able to enjoy our beautiful natural world. So on that note, I hope you have a wonderful week and I look forward to connecting with you all on the socials, Instagram, Facebook, or you can find us on www.australianwildlifeeducation.com. We'll speak soon. Take care.